Hello, welcome back to the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mark. I am Paul. Hello. We've got another guest. Mark, we have a fantastic guest today. How fantastic is this guest? I'm excited by this. This uh, is... Keep it clean. Someone who I have loved to watch play and loved to play basketball with as well. You've loved to watch him play and play basketball. Good yeah. for you. I phrased that very carefully. Mm-hmm. We talked with Andy Rowlands and longevity of the game. This guy is up there as well. Shall I introduce our guest? Do it. Oh uh, shit, Mark! I've just realised I can't. I don't. I can't remember what I'm supposed to be doing with this. Press the yellow button. Other side. Wow. Yeah, now stand and cheer for former Portsmouth smuggler. Small forward, number 12, Steve Davison. Well, that was a very kind introduction. Thank you very much. Steve, welcome, mate. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, look, Mark, going straight, straight into it here. Steve has played for... Um, Solent Stars, Portsmouth Smugglers, Solent Kestrels. He played in the States. He's played with icons of the game like Alan Cunningham, stuff like that. I mean, guests don't get better than this, and that's why I'm excited Steve's here today. Are you excited, Steve? I'm very excited to be here. Um, very excited to be part of this. And I don't know if anyone's done it yet because I haven't heard any of the other podcasts, but you guys need a, We're holding them back. a round of applause yourselves for um, raising the awareness of the game, raising the profile of the game locally. We've got to give ourselves a round of applause, Mark. Like that. yeah. No, that's good. I appreciate it. That's, that's, it's nice to be appreciated in our time. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I met Steve back in, um, I want to say, 92, 93, 94, when we were playing together for... I think South East Hampshire and then Hampshire. So that's how Brett, I kind of Brett got Brett Caldwell, was yeah. he the coach? He was the coach. And um, I think it was a couple of years we were playing in Hampshire. And then... Um, it's a long time ago now. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but I from, remember one year. From there, I mean, I hadn't seen you around the area. So, like, I mean, just to let everyone know, how did you get into the game? Um, Mickey B was running a... Mick Byrne was running a uh, Sunday morning session at Fairham Leisure Centre. And I think he probably taught me to dribble the ball. What year was that? Uh, 80. 1990, something like that. As an 11 year old. Uh, my brother and Andy Luckett taught me to shoot the ball. Do you know these names? Yeah, Andy, Andy Luckett. Luckett. <laughs> his, I think it was his dad that sponsored the Portsmouth. Uh, FC Basel Club, right? Yeah, with the, the Luckett, Luckett travel. travel. Yeah, that's Luckett's right. Travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he and my brother were good friends. So that like uh, around that time, Andy had a local league team. I can't remember the name of it. We just had Lucketts plastered across the front of the vest, and that's probably when I got my first number, number twelve, that stuck with me throughout. Till till today, I'm still number twelve for. Uh, Portsmouth smugglers. In my introduction, you said I was a former Portsmouth smuggler. I'm a current Portsmouth smuggler. Oh, well, I, I was talking about National League, but yeah. So, oh, okay. you, so you're still playing local league. Fair enough. I mean, I saw you at the finals a few months back. That's right. Yeah, we played after your game. Yeah. And, and I mean, handball, that was a tough game. They've got four National League <laughs> players, haven't they? It's really so, or former, including They've Brian Payne. They've got a full squad of almost ex-National League players. And yeah. They are, they've been the thorn in our side. I mean, there was a good decade where... We dominated that local league, the Saba local league, and now it's it's all handball, and they keep me up at night. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, the Port- much like the Solent Kestrels do to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the the Ports of Fury are entering Div One this coming season, so we'll see. Oh, yeah. The only thing we're looking at it going, we need to get current National League players to compete with everyone else. So that's what our focus is at local league. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to see if we can get a handful of National League players like Div 3 and go, let's see what happens. But um, You're allowed to have two current 
National League players in a local league team? Unless they're under 21. Oh, really? So you could have an entire National League team. I mean, look, Mickey Byrne got away with that for a long time. If you remember local league, he would be playing a, a full National League team, local league. Remember that? I don't, I don't remember details like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember winning all the time. It got old, to be honest with you. Oh, such a hard life. Winning all the time. But the, you say about your tenure with the teams going back from when you started as number 12 with Luckett's on top. Yes. What was the next step from there? Take us through your basketball journey. Uh, so playing for the Cams Hill, Cams Hill School. So um, where's that? That's, that's in Fairham. the States? No, that's in Fairham. Oh, okay. So I'm a, I'm a 15, 16 year old now and we're in Fairham still. Okay. And yeah, we just start winning most of our school games. And from there we joined, I say we, uh, from a very young age, from a bit like the beginning of my career at school, I had a good friend, Matt Eames, who deserves a mention, um, former Bucks champion and in Bucks finals MVP. He and I played together from school through to Fairham College. Uh, we won the Hampshire College Cup at Fairham College. Wow. Uh, and from there, we both went to play for Jimmy Guymans. So we we're playing for mixed junior team at the same time as playing for the college team and playing for Jimmy Guymans men's division one Solent Stars. That's a lot of basketball. And look, Mark, I've got a stat for you that um, Steve in his, at this time, um, was seventh in the National League Div 1 for three-point shooting. Uh, and his, I've got the stat here, 43.5% shooting percentage. And that year is, what, 96-97? That's right. Pre-Steph Curry slinging up those threes 96 97 that's steve kerr influenced by the big chicago boy yeah yeah never since <laughs> have i had access to a practice facility as much as you know when you're a young guy if you want to be in the gym at college all day you can be uh, getting shots up right and it's only like in that up, up until you're 18 when you leave college you lose access to that yeah so kind of so how important was that foundational work and everything to build in your game and and the access that you had there I mean, absolutely you, fundamental yeah he, he had two great coaches there you know like mickey Byrne and jimmy guyman at steve fitzsimmons at ferrum college as well i don't know if you guys know his name so if you have uh, those Stars coach. If, if you have those say three coaches there all influencing you in different ways how's that how how does that work do you take pieces from each coach or does one coach say, I play a certain way and they're like, no, I want you to play a different way or? No, like, yeah, they're all different. So what Mick managed to do was provide a, a team to play for that was free. I mean, Mick put his own money into these teams. So like, uh, they, yeah, they would be, you know, we're training twice a week with the junior squad playing college games once a week, training with the college at Steve Fitzsimmons was a great strategist. So like learning about different offensive strategies and things like this with Steve Fitzsimmons. And then Jimmy was a fantastic individual player coach. So the, the kind of things that he hammered home was, uh, it's, God, it's difficult to remember. Like I would, we would, he would run a Sunday session and the kind of things that he would get you practicing on your own was next level. It was like borderline insanity because you're in the gym by yourself, bouncing the wall off, bouncing the ball off the wall to yourself, doing a post move, uh, practicing these power moves in the post to kind of make your bucket and get your hand one. Uh, but he, you're kind of spinning around. He's kind of playing offense and defense. When, when Jimmy Guyman was in the gym by himself, he's sort of playing offense and defense the whole time. It's like it's borderline insanity, but. You know, the guy got drafted in the NBA, so if he tells you to do something, you do it. Um, pretty soon after that, I'm playing, uh, you know, when when it permitted. Mick Mick took us over to the Southampton program because he saw that we were getting, Matt and I, I'm talking about Matt Eames again, we get, uh, we're kind of advancing, and Matt and I are playing against each other, so we're kind of like that Steve Jobs analogy where you, you put two stones in a, in a rock tumbler or whatever, and they 
clean each other. We, we are competing against each other, so we're kind of pushing each other forward. Uh, Mick saw that we were kind of advancing quicker than anyone else, and he didn't want to hold us back, and he took us over to the Southampton program where we could excel in uh, and get the opportunity to play for the men's team when, when it didn't conflict with the junior program schedule. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. I've probably rambled a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, I, I just want to focus on um, Jimmy Guyman for a moment because I don't think you have that Solent Kestrel juggernaut that you have without Jimmy. No way. Um, a lot of the stuff he was doing is just in the background, isn't it? That maybe not a lot of people see, but it is that vital contribution, a bit like you know, what Rob Milner's doing for the Portsmouth Force. Um, it's that vital contribution that everything implodes if it's it's not being done. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot to be said for a back office and any structure in a team. Uh, you know, you're, you have your players and then you have, I want to say, the logistics around a team. But there's always m more that's added to the pot that's... Uh, you know, that makes it the community and makes it part of something more than, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is anyone can explain it? And 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 also just going on saying um Steve mentioned about about Mickey Byrne. He he did fund so much on his own. And it, it it's it was it's funny looking back on it because I remember, can you remember when we were playing National League, you'd be like, right, everyone's gotta pay me, was it twenty pounds a month or fifty pounds a month? And and no one ever did um but he, he didn't really push everyone did he can you remember Leon? that's the only year i remember him actually asking for any money and uh, yeah it seems so alien he must have been spending five grand at least a, a, a season yeah. and i i remember leon bailey turning up to the one of the first training sessions with like 550 pound went there you go mick and Mick made this speech about how amazing he was, what a, like an outstanding like contribution he was making with the right attitude. And then you got like half the other team like, there's no way I'm paying any money. I mean, it's funny and sad at the same time. But it raises the point about how me, you, anyone who's played basketball in the local area has something to owe. We all owe Mick like a debt of gratitude that we'll never get the opportunity to pay, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and I guess well, and in your case, Jimmy as well, and some of these other coaches. Um, what about um, I mean, I know a, another major contributor. Um, I'm confident for you. I'm um, definitely the basketball community in around Southampton is um, is Bev Bev Garman. Yeah, absolutely. So, God of that junior team that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, without Bev's tireless effort, Bev just wanted to increase participation. Um, she had a huge heart, and I just like personally, what she managed to do for us. Uh, there was a group of us who went. Uh, it was Jimmy's contact over in Oklahoma who had his old uh, university teammate who ran a summer league for like six weeks, and Bev put together like she was raising funds for us to be able to go over there like to, to kind of subsidize the amount of money it, would, it was going to cost our families to send us there for six weeks Bev was raising money she was ho hosting fundraisers she was um, you know organizing raffles and doing all sorts contacting people I think she even wrote to Michael Jordan I don't know what how she got <laughs> email address right but like like that that's good that's a story that's that's a fact I remember that um but yeah, like, so she's bringing people together. She's bringing our families together, all those junior kids, right? We're all socializing together and trying to raise money. So like, yeah, without Bev, um, the journey's, you know, my story's definitely very different. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember, um, I, th I think what a, a really big um, tribute I saw for Bev was, you know, as she was fighting her battle and stuff like that, they had that, um, uh, not uh, an all-star game, but all the like the the old players coming together, and you had the likes of like Anning Cunningham, um, Mark Jackson, all those players coming together yeah. just to play for that, you know, just a you know, let's fight cancer kind of thing. That's and, it, yeah. 
um, I just thought that was a fantastic tribute to to her and every everything, all those contributions that she's made to everyone throughout the years. I just thought that was really good. Even if you look at, back at the pictures now and you go, wow, look how many people came to watch that game. The woman deserves a statue out, outside of Fleming Park Leisure Centre, in, in my opinion. Wow. We should get that paperwork in. <laughs> get it in. Fleming Park. We're going to get that they statue They should rename up. Fleming Park, Bev Park. It's a thought. Bev's Park. Who do we speak to about this? <laughs> Calls but, uh, will be made. So this was the Solent Stars days then for you? Yep. And, you know, at what point did that end with you going over to the States? And before you say that, like, and, and how did you go, how did you get on? I mean, I know how you got on, but like, just let everyone know how you got on that in that Div 1 setup because you went quite far that year. As an individual, yeah. I don't want to talk about the win, wins and losses. <laughs> we want to break down you, on every game. Every play. Uh, every play. Where did you go wrong here? But you went quite far in the league, yeah? No. Not as a team, no. The not, cup? No. We had a, an American called Mike Sablowski, and uh, we had players like Andy Luckett, Martin Dowdle. Martin Dowdle. Alex Byrne uh, was even on that team. All right. Um, and... Yeah, we really struggled in the league that year to the point where Jimmy put his boots back on and came to play. He, he, was play, he became player coach because he's got so fed up with us losing. Uh, and the example, he, yeah, God, I've got stories to tell about Jimmy. Just got he, he did a jab step and sent this defender flying like half his age. I, I swear to God, on the elbow, jab step the, from stationary position, single jab step, the defender goes flying. And he just hits a jump shot, wide open jump shot. Like, uh, as a Jimmy's fifty year old, fifty years old at this stage, it's just mind blowing. One of my memories. Uh, yeah, we didn't do very well in the league that year. But as as an individual, uh, getting that Division One exposure as a 16, uh, 17, 18 year old uh, was was absolutely priceless. Yeah, I'd imagine because that's setting the bar early, really early. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so fast paced. It's so physical. What sort of minutes were you getting? And, I, and I when? was starting. Really? Yeah. Wow. Ouch. Yeah. And so, so what? So that, that's quite a punt jump to, to jump into at that point, at that age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was men's basketball. Because that was men's basketball, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm just trying to sort of frame it for people who weren't aware. And it's like, you, you mentioned Alan Cunningham and some of the, the people who were playing there, that, you know, this is the era where basketball was still in brackets non-contact but in fact was <laughs> in, in, in Jimmy's words basketball is a contact sport uh, rugby is a collision sport yeah like that <laughs> that's a nice way to put it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, like volleyball is a non-contact sport yes yeah yeah, yeah. but the, I mean you know we can get into it but the, the game has changed so much now and you know hopefully the new flop rules change all this but we, we, you know, we'll see about that um but the game that you were coming into at that age. It's very physical. Very it? Yeah. physical game. Yeah, very physical. And uh, unforgiving, very unforgiving. I remember taking a jab. Jimmy's teaching us all these dirty tricks, right? So like... <laughs> He's my kind of player. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you see Rodman winding other players up. Like, yep. I, I'm not as sneaky as Rodman, but it's just very simple. If, if your defender, attacker, whatever, puts his hands on you, you can sort of seal his arm in between your your uh, your arm and your chest, for example. And, and, and as soon as they start <laughs> trying to free their own arm up, you sort of flop a little bit or shake your head back and the referee looks over and, and you know, very occasionally uh, you'll get a foul for nothing. <laughs> like, so I'm trying to do this against a guy at T's side about, you know, some seven foot dude and I'm this scrawny 17 year old kid and he just jabs me in the head. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Yeah, my grand came to watch that game. It was like, uh. wow, wow. Yeah, it's a very physical game, uh, and, and yeah, and Jimmy's throwing us in the deep end as well. So uh, you which, took that and went straight to the states from the, off the back of that. Yeah, again through Jimmy's contacts in America, managed to get a high school spot. So, what's the difference in the game? What was the difference in the game from here going to there? It's from, from yeah, from National League Div One to uh, high school basketball. So I'm trying to remember if we had the 24 second clock at this stage um, in the NBL Division One. 
um, and I can't rem quite remember. But going into high school, there was no shot clock whatsoever. So you could score. You could just keep hold get of the it. rebound and just keep hold of it. Uh, there was like a five-second closely guarded rule. Wow. But I think I think that exists today because I got called for it the other day. Oh right. <laughs> In the summer league. Well, we got a ref coming on, so we'll we'll ask. Yeah. Oh, but that'd be interesting. My yeah. understanding currently is that if you are closely guarded, not dribbling the ball, if you're holding on to the ball and you're closely guarded for five oh, seconds. Oh, once you pick up your dribble. Yes. Ah. Once you pick up your dribble. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So over there, I'm, I'm going straight into the high school game. It's before you dribble, if you hold the ball for five seconds and you're closely guarded, it's a turnover. If you're then dribbling the ball, you've got five seconds closely guarded and it's a turnover. Then if you pick up the ball, you've got five seconds closely guarded or it's a turnover. But other than that, you could hold the ball for an entire game in one, as long as you're over the half court, so theoretically. It, so the half court applied, but other than that, you could just swing the ball and keep swinging the ball. Yeah. Wow. And you could have one, yeah. You, <laughs> so there's a bunch of different rules. Um, and it, what that's about interesting it? In, of it, in and of itself, in like the way that we impose a 24 second clock on youth basketball today, for example. Yeah. In America, they don't do that. Their youth learn to play without the, the shot clock. And it, it you know, they, they evolve differently. Their, their knowledge of the game, their, their evolution of the game is, is completely different as a result of that. Does that change the pace of the game, do you think? Yes. For better or worse? I would argue that there is a case for youth basketball not having a 24-second clock, for sure. Wow. Oh, thoughts? Well, you know, we got some BE representatives coming on soon, so let's, let's put it to them, see what they say. What's your opinion? I can see pros and cons, you know. Um, Yeah, maybe remove the backcourt at least, the eight seconds. Um, that's one thing to do. Maybe do. keeps the game moving a bit more, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Especially um, if they're not got that rule, but like you said, they've got the five seconds if someone's close to you, etc. What is it at uh, NCAA Div 1? I think they've had a 35-second shot clock at some point. <laughs> Everyone's looking at me, I don't <laughs> know. Actually, no I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know if it's 24 seconds today. I don't I know. Think it's a, I think it's a 30-second shot clock. At, at I think college. it could be th 30 seconds. As soon as you said that, I thought 30 seconds was was what my gut yeah. was. Um, so the, so high school then. So you, you you were there and you graduated from there. But So, I mean, what was that like going into that culture? Because over here, we were just like, yeah, American basketball, brilliant. And then all of a sudden, you're in American basketball. That must have been awesome. It was awesome. And I, I'm going to say, like today, it's quite popular to do that. But like... Before I'd done it, I can only remember Alex Byrne and Mark Jackson who'd actually done it. I know Jason Colgan planned to go. Did Matt Guyman do it? Yeah, Did he, he go? went after. Yeah, he was a little bit younger than me, so he went after. Yeah, because Matt Guyman, it was me, you, and Matt Guyman playing for Hampshire. I remember that. That's and that's how I knew Matt. Matt Guyman was significantly younger than us. Was he? Yeah. And maybe he was in the low, the under. We were under sixteen. Maybe he was under fourteen then. I'm trying, I don't know how old he is. I, I'm, I'm thinking he's significantly, significantly younger than us. Okay. So, but right. you enjoyed the culture then? Man, we went into Oklahoma, right? So it was, it was cowboy country. <laughs> it was incredibly racist. I'm going to just say it out loud. Like it was the most racist place I've ever been to. Wow. At the time. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely um, do actually have a banjo just over here, but I can't be bothered <laughs> to go get out and diddle. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got classmates who've got cowboy hats, Stetson hats, big, big buckle, skin tight jeans, which at the time wasn't fashionable, cowboy boots. Uh, they kind of take cattle to market on the weekends and stuff. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just like Pompey, isn't it? Very different. <laughs> just like Commercial wow. Road. It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> Down Commercial Road, go to Cascades. It's the same thing. Stetsons, skinny jeans. Uh, cheerlead, like okay. So going back to the point, like it's cheerleaders. It's like very different, but culturally, it's it's it couldn't be further from from the UK sort of. And were you getting like with the crowd with. and stuff like that? Huh? Yeah, there's a big crowd. Games on a Saturday. Everyone comes out to watch the games. Uh, very competitive. Uh, yeah, very supportive crowds, but obviously for the home teams. Um, 
And there's a whole story about, yeah, I guess I want to tell this. Do it. Um, right, so as a transfer student, you're not allowed to play the first 10 games of the season. Wow. Why, why is that? Um, it's just a rule by the, by the Oklahoma Secondary Schools Athletic Association. How many, how many games do you Whoa. get in a season there? Should have been 24 or something okay. like that. Perhaps a couple of tournaments with extra games. But, but you're not allowed to play the first 10. And that's, that's what, the state rule or the school rule? That's the state rule. I wonder if that's to stop someone becoming a student and then getting straight out of the gate. There's yeah. probably a good reason. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a good reason for it, right? So to stop abusing the transfer of students into schools just for the just for the purpose of winning or whatever. Yeah. Right? So we, we had to endure that. Matt and I went, Matt Eames and myself both went to high school as a, uh, you know, big thanks to Bev and Jimmy Guy. Jimmy. Jimmy and Bev Guyman. Oh, so you both went to the same school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we both got... So we're both living with the coach. Um, and as far as we were concerned, we'd done everything correctly. We just so happened to be living with the coach. It wasn't that he, you know, we'd broken many rules at this stage. Uh, we just, we're just two young kids who want to play basketball, right? So uh, we, we, we're, we're uh, unallowed, we're disallowed to play the first 10 games. Then we play 14 games and we win 12 of them and, and Matt and I are like scoring 12 points apiece. You know, Matt's killing it on the boards. I'm shooting the lights out from the three-point line and we are headed, you know, we're looking like we're in a good position to head into the state tournament. At some point, we got, or our coach got called into a fact-finding meeting with the Oklahoma Secondary Schools Athletic Association and they pushed for us having been illegally recruited. Um, wow. Wow. Um, and the only reason they got us on it, as I remember, was that our parents had had contact with the coach before we went there. Like this was, this was the spurious reason that we were given as to why it was illegal. Like as, as though your parents wouldn't want to know what the weather was like in this strange country. Like so they'd know how to dress, dress you know, what clothes to send with their kids or whatever. Uh, so then we weren't allowed to play in the playoffs and <laughs> what this wow. really this really killed uh, the momentum of our, our like yeah we're gonna go to America we're we gonna push this we're gonna get you know we're gonna get as good as we can and, and we're gonna push push our talent as far as we can yeah um, and it it really uh, extinguished the flames because college coaches come to the state tournament to recruit high school kids and we oh, weren't no. allowed to play in the state tournament. Oh, jeez. <sighs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's politics right there, isn't That there? was That's... one of my questions coming up. Why didn't, did you consider going to college? Yeah. So there was no one several, could watch you play. There were several obstacles in the way of... Uh, so what was the reasoning? Sucks. Just because... I've just laid it out as best I can. Like Competitive advantage, uh, basically. If you ask Matt, Matt will tell you xenophobia. Matt will tell you that we were two British kids over there showing them how to play their own game and Jeez. they didn't like it we had we you know our coach even was was like all right now boys i'm not going to start you because there are some parents here who would be upset if uh if i start you over these kids oh wow like, so it's these really that political in. these kids have been freshmen sophomores juniors and now they're going to be seniors and i can't have you know their parents are going to be really upset if i start you over them so yeah wow. there was that political in our own town uh, so if we're beating these other teams out of town uh you know that's gonna raise raise a lot of eyebrows and ruffle a lot of feathers wow so that was like a real a real kick then so there was no there was no way you could go to college basketball there was no offers at that point because of you couldn't get there was no scouts. offers there was no recruitment no. Um, and, and this is late 90s yeah 98 i graduated high school so jeez i mean i wonder if that'd be different now just to punch home, like uh, to blow my own trumpet. I was shooting forty-eight percent from the three-point line at that high school year. Steph Curry shooting, Mark. <laughs> Steph Curry shooting. What's your percentage now, Steve? Oh, don't ask. I can't even see the hoop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to test that. I can't that even a see bit. the hoop clearly these days. I mean, I, I just, I just had a thought there. How in the NBA 
at that time, how much of a European influence was there on the NBA? So we're talking late 90s. Oh, had, it, had it kicked that, in yet? Yeah, it was just starting to because then you, you, you were talking about Parker, Manu no. Ginobili coming. They were afterwards. So they, they were late, uh, early 2000s. the Lakers guy, Duvac. When was he? Vlad. Duvac, Vladi Duvac. Vladi. Yeah. Uh, who's that guy that gave Michael Jordan a tough time? There was um, the best, he might even be the best three point shooter of all time. Oh, not Parrot Gary. <laughs> no, there was also a Brit. Oh, there was not Detlef Shrimp. No, he's another one though. But there was a British guy. Oh, I can't remember his name at the moment. I remember the not, British guy who played for the Bulls. Not John Amici. Orlando Magic. Yeah, John Amici. John Amici. I mean, I don't, if that happened now and there was raw talent, they it, it, they would be taking it, wouldn't they? Dre, yeah. Drazen Petrovic. Do you remember his name? Uh, Drazen. Drazen rings a bell. But we are talking a handful of examples here. Oh, it's yeah, not the yeah, influence yeah. you've got now in the NBA. No, no, no. Um, Which I, is great now. If you see that, certainly in the last, say, even two or three years, when you're looking and you say, we've got French players, Slovakian players, uh, players from Australia. Spanish players. Spanish players, African players. You've got players from everywhere. It, it does feel like when you win the NBA, you you are world champions now. Whereas if you go back to the nineties, I know they pro they all were the best players, but it was very much we are world champions, but the world is only being played with American teams. Well, yeah. well, I mean, there's a big argument with that because if you're going to say that, then you'd say that all of the old Lakers or Boston uh, trophies. That's what I'm saying. Don't exist because pre was it 76 was it 73 or 76 around that time when the NBA as we know it was actually formed and the ABA and the NBA when they all came together sorry I wasn't listening <laughs> um, no I think 73 or 76 it's around okay. that time all right. yeah. when when the ABA and BBL or, or the NBA and the they all ABA came together. and the NBA yeah when they all came yeah. together it was like in the 70s some point but by that point that's when the Lakers had won they had their crazy red red, red with the Celtics of Red Alback. Red Alback. Yeah. I don't know where you're going. I mean, but you know, if you're going to say that about international players, then you've got to invalidate they've got 11 trophies yeah. as well. But look, let's face it. With what? 20 teams, you know. This is really controversial what I'm going to say now. Right. If Steve Davison yep. joined the NBA in the 60s, yep. would we be talking to the greatest NBA player of the 60s? No. I'm going to tell you right now. If you now, watch no, how they bounce right. the ball in the 60s, you telling Man, me Steve's not going to be up there. Bob Cousy dribbling that thing around. Hey, you like... bounce the ball better than Bob Cousy. Pete Maravich. I'm going to be playing against Pete Maravich. <laughs> hey, Pistol Pete. And Jerry West. Is he so you're talking the logo. You're just the talking logo. just top 10 now. Yeah, I mean, you are. What team, if you could have, at that time, what team would you have wanted to play for? If someone said you could play for him. In the NBA? Yeah, at that point. We're, we're, this is like... Fantasy land. Yes, love it. It's <laughs> where I live, Steve. Um, Who would it have been at that point? When you're in the States, you're in Oklahoma. I mean, they're following at that point. They didn't have the Thunder. I can't remember. That's I mean, 10 years before like, Thunder Chicago got Chicago Bulls were massive. Uh, and I'd rather played with Michael Jordan than against him. So I'd probably say the Chicago Bulls. That was the end of, that was just after their, late, their, their era, wasn't it? Yeah. So that was after 97. I'm a big Boston fan. I'm a big uh, oh. Celtics fan. fan. Well, going back a long time, I've been to Boston. I've been there, visited the garden. My uncle lived there. Yeah. For a while, I've been out there too. Uh, the original garden. I've been to the original garden. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you been to many of the stadiums? No. One. One. Boston Garden. <laughs> so the reason I say that is because I th you just raised something that we we touched on a while back about the crowds at basketball games. And there has been a difference in the crowd. You know, recently, when we, with the force, with Paul trying to do some of the effects and trying to get the crowds used up and something. Yeah. You've experienced stuff like this, obviously, playing with bigger crowds as well. Do but what were the crowds like in the States? Quite interesting. And that. would they get that at the high school level? 
Would they get like the bands and stuff like that during the games? Yeah, they would. There was a high school band that would have played. Yeah, so like oh, okay. a brass band, they would have had their lo- their kind of. So this is standard. Schools. Yeah, this is standard stuff in the in because in it's, it's it's entertaining, isn't it? It's it's you're you're going for an experience. You're not just going for I'm just going to go watch a game. You're going to watch the game, but you, everyone's there together, sort of thing. Yes, and obviously, you know, the band's made up of high school kids as well. So these are all all your classmates and stuff as well. So it's all kind of connected and. Um, the, the the fans are largely made up of parents and you know ex players, yep. um, teachers. You know, it's only kind of a small town. Um, Did you get one of those jackets that you see in the films? Yeah, yeah. They you still got one, it? Yeah. No, I got moths. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I had to chuck it away. I got. I kept the patches. I kept the leather patches off it. Uh, okay. But uh, a bomber jacket. What is it called? A varsity jacket. jacket. A jacket. Varsity a jacket. jacket or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they call it a letter jacket, but varsity jacket, yeah. But, I mean, I, I truly believe that, and I've said this on several podcasts now, that I, I think there was, it was a general correlation. Like, Steve came to um, some of the early games uh, when the attendance was 100, and I don't think you came in the latter part of the season where we were getting 350 and we had the, you know, dun, 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 during the game and and all the, the razzmatazz and stuff, all the entertainment side of things that we built up. And uh, it, Razzmatazz. I, you said that last time <laughs> I said razzmatazz. Um, but it felt like there was a direct correlation with what we were trying to do, like, all together and attendance going up. And I just look at that and go, if they did that, all throughout the UK, I think basketball, the it, it would be raised up. I think you'd get higher attendances around the UK. Yeah. I've only heard about it. It's so far it's myth and legend, but uh, oh. there are whispers in the streets about what you're doing at, at Portsmouth Force. We, you're going to be coming to our next, next uh, like our last friendly, well, it's not going to be a friendly, is it? But we're going to strap you to the firework cannon. <laughs> You, you're going to come to that. It's Ports of Force versus the Solent Kestrels. It's for the Mickey Byrne Cup. Oh, there's a Mickey Byrne Cup. There's a Mickey Byrne Cup because obviously, and again, we put, we, we've talked about this before, Mick had so much influence in Ports of Basketball and, and Southampton as well, as well as, you know, around the UK. Um, that, but more so Solent, that Solent City area. That it, we just thought, you know what, if there's a Portsmouth versus Kestrels Cup and we do it annually and it's, you know, the Mickey Byrne Trophy, the Mickey Byrne game. This is excellent. This is excellent news. This was one of my ideas. Which yeah. side are you cheering from? Uh, Mick and his Who are you going to cheer for, Steve? You've got a foot in both camps. Well, he's got more of a foot in the I'm Solent just... camp because he played basketball. We... I think more for Solent than you The weather's been did. crazy lately. <laughs> no. Hasn't <laughs> it? No, you're not having it. I'm not having it. <laughs> uh, no, we'll come out to come to that in a second. But the Mickey Byrne Cup, that's just a pre-season, it's a friendly it's a, it's a pre-season. Yeah. sort well, of you, arrangement. You, or there's you an know, like trophy. Me, there's no such thing as a friendly, but it, it's going to be the last friendly before the season. But it is an Every official year. annual thing with a trophy. Like the trophy's going to go back and forth I haven't before, seen, between Portsmouth yeah, and Yeah, I haven't seen, like, the, like I haven't the, seen the trophy, but yeah. I, I, I haven't seen a picture of the trophy yet. No, no, I've heard there is going to be a trophy. And yeah, it's going to go back and forth. Amazing. Um, this sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm it really, sounds good. That's good news. Um, and we, you know, we, 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 I've said to a few people, you know, I really hope Mix looking down, smiling, going... You didn't spell my name right on that trophy. Was, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, again, it is his legacy. You know, we wouldn't probably be here talking if if it wasn't for Mick Byrne. No. Um, I don't think the Ports of Force would be there. Definitely not the smugglers and the pirates and all that. Um, I can't speak on as far as the Solent stuff, but again, this is all Mick's legacy. And the Portsmouth FC basketball club that existed back in the day, would that have been there without Mick? Possibly, yeah. Because I think, um, I mean, he was he was the head coach there for what four or five years. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, it, it was a major influence. Um, but uh, it, it, I think the important thing is there is that he kept it going because at that time when it went and then it got sold off, but he kept basketball still going in the area when it quite easily could have just faded out. And by running the Saturday mornings and it's then the 
the Monday nights and doing the Wednesdays and then organising all the trips, the youth teams right through to the seniors. And Absolutely. It was doing all of that. Um, he was just fanning the flames the entire time since then, wasn't he? Like, but, yeah. d- but, d- but literally shouldering it all yeah. on that, uh, which is total it's respect. It's his like, life. That, that it was, was his it, life. Yeah, yeah consume him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a bit like what Steve Ware said, you know, you've got a... Um, at the funeral, you know, the, the 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 basketball influence, you know, when you saw the pictures and stuff like that, it's just so evident. Um, and um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Mick touched a, a, a lot of our hearts um, and we wouldn't be who we are without him. Wow, that just got really serious, didn't it? <laughs> really yeah, serious. I mean, we also remember he's cantankerous and uh, uh, you, you could guarantee that one person would get an absolute roasting in a session. It doesn't matter who it was, for whatever reason. Why are you opening your beer under the table? We can still hear it in the mic. So in, in, the, um, in the Mickey Byrne episode, um, we uh, recently did, um, I brought your name up, Steve, because... Oh, because I don't know if you remember, you know, in the in the ports of smugglers day, I used to take that cooler and fill up with ice and put a four pack in it. It just, I really enjoyed the away games, and you know, cause sometimes you were traveling, I don't know, two, three, four hours um, back from from games. It was nice just to sit there after game and and and, and just have a, a a few cheeky beers. A bit of a social on the bus on the way. A bit back. of a social, but I, t- I I remember you jumped on 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 that train um, fit from me bringing on that call I think I think there's a few others that jumped on it as well but I just I do remember <laughs> if we lost a game Mick would be like good hell no one's no one's having anything from that caller and you'd just be like all right Mick yeah we don't deserve it and then it's just that noise of you opening that can just makes me laugh because I just remember 20 minutes into the journey home you just get that noise and you'd see Mick looking in the in the in the rear view mirror. He but, probably um, wanted one. <laughs> probably. So, Steve, like, I've, I've known you for so long, you've never told me about the Oklahoma State story, but that is mental. Thank you. Yeah, but, it's, it's, uh, not many people know it, so I'm actually quite grateful to be able to put it out there. Yeah, that is... Put it on the record. That is so political and controversial. Yeah, that's really gutting to hear that you went through that, because... You know, you, from going from, from us being British basketball players, the the goal to play basketball in America, even just on a playground, yeah. would have just been like, oh, can you imagine that? What what would it be like? It's like it's bouncing the ball oh, in a different country. I don't but, understand but it, that at all. It's like yeah, it's, it's crazy. You play it? to win. There's no way the coach on your team is like. I don't want these guys playing. I want them. To, I want to win the game. And then all of a sudden, their potential best two players, yeah, you got to sit down. It's yeah, like that is what's going on. So, so did you just come straight home then, and then went straight back into the Sonnet Stars? No. So our coach took us around maybe a dozen universities to try out. Uh, so any universities that hadn't done, hadn't, didn't have their full roster already, and still had some scholarship money left over, uh, you know. And I'm now one, or me, Matt and I are two of dozens, sometimes up to fifty kids who are vying for like three or four spots at each of these tryouts. Oh wow! Um, and I managed to get a partial scholarship at one of them. We both got offered partial scholarships. And um, what is a partial scholarship? What does that mean? Like, well, you can have a full scholarship or a full ride. Oh, you got to pay. Yeah, so I got a partial subsidy of my oh, okay. uh, university fees, my education fees. Um, do, do you understand? And, yeah, yeah. So, um, what, you just couldn't get the funds together to to go over there. Yeah, my parents were going to back me to. My, my parents did back me to to stay over there. Oh bloody! Hell. So what happened? Um, by this stage, I, I ended up on a university in the middle of nowhere, mm. and. Um, with a coach uh, for the first time in my life with a coach who instead of like putting his arm around my shoulder and saying look I need this from you I need that from you was um, what's his name do you know Bobby Knight old Indiana University 
uh, coach was an absolute bully. Okay. He's like throwing chairs. Like mine wasn't as bad as that, but this this guy this guy's throwing chairs at his players and stuff like this. And it's like it, to me, it felt like you know I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. My dream is dead. I'm in I'm in a university that I didn't want to end up in. Um, and the, I think the program started with about 18, 19 players on it. Um, and one by one, they start dropping out. And we I mean we've been I'm in the best shape of my life, and I'm shooting the ball better than I've ever shot the ball. We're yet to play a single game. Um, we're kind of doing two a days, at least two a days, like up and running at 5 a.m. Uh, and then we're kind of practicing three hours a day, doing individual work. There's all sorts of rules around doing team practice before a certain date. So we're just doing solid individual work for like three hours a day. Um, but getting beasted and getting bullied and getting shouted at. And it's all the whole, I, I, I didn't, I've never responded that well to coaches who treat me that way and um yeah i think i was the eighth player to kind of walk in the office and say i don't want this anymore um yeah then that's how it that's how the story in america ended pretty much oh wow i mean you know what if eight players are walking in to a coach or whatever and saying i'm out you know that trend says something yeah I mean, so, without without being, uh, I gave it the best shot I could. I gave it, I really gave it everything I had. And, uh, without being sort of, uh, I'm not saying not dark or defeatist down that route, but mentally, at the age you're at, you've just had that kick from Oklahoma, and then you go and you have that experience with the coaching, and then you're like, I'm just done. Yeah, there's a, that's you a lot of you brick come, walls thrown at you. You come home. To, where's the love for basketball at that point? I'm, I'm just curious from, from that sort of standpoint. Um, okay. Well, I'm thinking like I'm trying to figure out if my if the limited experience I'd had over there training with a team for, you know, like a semester before the season started, if that's enough for me to come back and get into a, a semi-professional or professional you know am I gonna is that dream dead or you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start trying myself I'm gonna start trying out with a couple of London teams and see how that goes uh, and I'm you know unfortunately the, the reality is I wasn't I was still a I've been in a weight program for a semester so I was still fairly you know uh, yeah not physically strong enough you know uh, to to compete with uh, even in the British league against men uh, experienced men you know so uh, what the love you know there's been a love-hate relationship definitely because something you devote yourself to something you think is your refuge something you think is gonna provide for you in the future you know it's all like I don't need to study I'm gonna be a professional basketball player or yeah. like you know this doesn't, all I got to do is focus on my on, on basketball. All I got to do is continue doing what I've been doing up until this point. That's three hours in the gym a day by myself, shooting, working on the drills, um, running, um, and yeah. And you're like 18, 19 around this sort of time. I had, so by the time I walked into the coach's office, I must have had my 20th birthday. Wow. I think I transferred. I tra from So from there, it wasn't over. I transferred to another American college. Um, but by by that stage, I'm just some kid who had a problem with a coach. So like, you know, the, yeah. the new coach that I've kind of gone what to. What happened with a coach? Yeah, he'll be is, looking at uh, the same way, won't he? This is some problem kid because he didn't get on with his former coach or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so there was that. I, you know, I was there for a season. I kind of walked on. They call it a walk-on when you don't get any scholarship money. So, oh, yeah, mum and dad are still kind of forking out for this. And there are other people, you know, other people that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, none of it would have been possible without them, you know, the support of mum and dad. Um, and yeah, from there, I tried to go to another college. From there, like, I just, you know, it was a Christian college. Uh, which, you know, I'll only mention it because I'm a young man and I've come from the UK where you can drink at 18 and over there it's no beer in the dorms, no girls in the dorms, no none of all these rules you got to go to mass every day and it's just like what where have i ended up like <laughs> how have i ended up here like 
you know, and I haven't seen my family for years at this point. And, you know, we're quite a tight family. I hadn't seen my brothers. They've been off traveling. I have grandparents who passed away and I've missed all of this. Just, and you know what? It goes all back that, uh, I guess that butterfly effect was the Oklahoma State, wasn't it? Yeah. That's, am that's, that's amazing, that is. Yeah, that's... I can't get my head around that. That's, that is... It just seems so ludicrous, but, you know, we, we've got to think, as you say, you're in a town in, in Oklahoma, maybe not the broadest viewpoint of life that they had. That is a fair comment. And uh, it's um, a lot of places in Americana, I hope my American friends are listening. Um, <laughs> don't shoot me for this one, but... Oh, uh, God bless America. Yeah. Uh, hence, hence why I said the shooting. But... Um, <laughs> They, you know, they openly would say that in, when, if you're in America, you're always look, looking out, you see the East Coast or you see the West Coast. You don't often see past Boston or LA, you know, kind of respectively or Seattle or yeah. wherever. So sometimes that, as you say, the xenophobia of here's, here's some British kids coming over and yeah, that's and, and teaching us. I can't say that, game that it was brackets. xenophobic. I just said, if you ask my mate Matt, that is his version of events. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just thinking it's, I think it, there's a, a great argument for that. But either which way, it must have been for you developing at that point, just knowing what I'd have been like at that age group. If I'd have had any talent to be able to have been in that position, to have gone to that point, to get, I'm in America now. At a college team, Blimey, I'd have been peeing my pants on that plane all the way over, thinking, "That's it, I'm, I'm, I've done it. I'm on that road to where I want to be." Oh man! And then to have all of that happen, like just ding, ding, yeah, ding, ding, knock, knock, knock. That knock. is, <sighs> yeah, it was. I, I, I'm getting the opportunity. This is the opportunity. I'm on the plane. I'm chasing the dream. This is, wow. this is happening. It's like unbelievable opportunity. So that ends this episode of the Portsmouth Basketball Podcast. Part two of this interview will be coming out in 24 hours. So tune in for that one. Until then, wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you so, so much for your support. Till then, bye-bye.